What's up, people? This is your 10-minute call. I am Kyle Maxwell. Today, we're going to be talking about how acting and your choice to be an actor affects everyone around you. Yes, the conversation you've never wanted to have. All right, people. So as promised, we are talking about how acting affects everybody around you. Yes, But before we get to that, before we go down the dark and dirty road of how what we do affects all those that we love, I'm going to get to some of the feedback that we got from last week's episode. So if you remember, if you listen to episode two, we talked about survival jobs. And I asked you, send me any of the best stories you can think of, horror stories from your survival job histories. And I got a lot of really good responses, most of them, unsurprisingly, We're in the field of waiters, waitresses, bartenders, event staff, and how horrible customers are. Terrible tippers, nightmare stories of of that. Those were great. So shout out to everybody who gave them to me. But today I want to highlight a slightly different story, which is actually from a buddy of mine named Ian Messersmith, who's currently getting his MFA in playwriting. I met Ian when Ian was a stage manager at the University of Tennessee, we did a couple of productions together. And he sent me a funny story about an audition that he had, that he auditioned for. And uh, I wanted to highlight it because it's just kind of funny. So for those who don't know, both Ian and I are over 6 feet 2 inches tall and over 250 pounds. Um, we're bigger dudes. And it was always fun having somebody who was my size in the room when Ian and I would do shows together. Because you sort of feel like he knows. He gets it. (laughs) And uh, he sent me an audition story that kind of even further encapsulates maybe a world that bigger character actors would get. So Ian was auditioning for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And uh, they made him do the whole audition. They made him do the monologue, the song, and the dance. And again, we're, we're bigger guys. So us dancing is usually... Pretty comical, even if we're good at it. It still has a a tinge of of comedy to it. He got through the whole thing. And then right at the end, they looked at him and they said, yeah, we're only auditioning the Oompa Loompas today. Which I thought was the most messed up thing in the world. And he said, he goes, it's not not messed up, right? He did the whole damn audition and they were looking for the Oompa Loompas. And he said, I just got to send it to you. It's just one of the funniest stories I got. I, I heard it. And I thought he sent it to me. I think Ian sent it to me for two reasons, by the way. I think he sent it to me because it's funny and it's a theater story. And also because having been a stage manager, he wants every actor to remember the thing that he wrote at the bottom of the message. Always be sure to read the, the sheet for the auditions. Always know the exact details of what they're looking for. So I think he sent it, you know, excuse me, to have a little laugh at himself and funny story. But I also think... As a stage manager, he was like, listen, pay attention, people. So uh, thanks to Ian for that story, and thanks to everybody who sent in their stories of um, nightmarish waiter stories. Those were great. So today we're going to jump into the topic we have discussed, which is how your choice to be an actor affects everybody around you. You never want to think about it, but... Oh, it's real. 
they do have thoughts and opinions and they do have feelings about what you've decided to do with your life. So to start the episode off, I figured what better way than to jump in with how my acting journey has affected the people around me. So I didn't think it would be fair to put this question to you and not answer it myself. So I reached out to the love of my life, the most important person in my world, my boo thang, um, <laughs> my significant other, Rachel, my partner, and I asked her, hey, how has my acting journey affected you? And, uh, you know, I opened it up. I said, you can give me some positives. You can give me some negatives. And immediately we got to some negatives. And <laughs> that list was a little longer than I was hoping it was going to be. But in fairness, I'm going to tell you what Rachel told me. So the first thing she jumped in with was time apart, which is considerable and it can cause strain and stress. For those who don't know, Rachel and I were long distance for four years, three of which were while I was in grad school in Knoxville, Tennessee, and she was based in Boston. And then the final year of that long distance time, I was in New York and she was in Boston. So the first four years of our relationship, we started dating a few months before I went to grad school, were long distance. So you can understand her feeling that way. She also said planning is hard because of an unsure schedule. You don't know when an actor is going to work or what kind of work or for how long. I said, okay, that's fair. Difficult financially. Ooh, now the long knives are coming out. <laughs> we were laughing as, as she's revealing a few of these and I'm like, okay, I understand. You know, all right, okay, okay. And then the difficult financially was like, ah. I even suggested a little bit. I, I almost wanted her to go, no, no, no. She was like, yeah. Yeah, that's one. So uh, it can be difficult financially. Maybe the money's not what it could be if you were doing something else. She said, and as we're rolling towards holiday season, she said holidays are tougher, which is fair. You know, you don't know if someone's going to be around because they might pick up work. I've done Christmas Carol a few times since her and I have been together. So she's obviously thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are almost always affected by productions of that show because you're usually in rehearsal through Thanksgiving, and then you're into Christmas Carol production, which is, you know, you're going to be a couple weeks lead up to Christmas. Some of those productions even go through till after Christmas, so holidays are tougher. I, at that point, I was looking for some, uh, some positives, so I said, any positives on how my choice of being an actor has affected you? And she said, long pause. Um, well, I guess your partner feels fulfilled. Sort of a question mark at the end of it. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. So I guess she's happy that I'm doing something that I love, even if it can sometimes be difficult. And um, the other positive was she said she got to meet new people that she probably never would have met, and she got to go to places she never would have gone. You know, in the three years I was in Knoxville, she visited a lot. And so she got to really know that city and that region which she appreciated. She ended up kind of falling in love with Knoxville, so did I. By the end of it, we both really appreciated our time there. So those were a couple of the positives, but there were some heavy negatives there. And um, by the way, not anything that her and I had never talked about before, but the full list being given kind of added some weight to it. And um, some of the stuff she talked about reminded me of a lot of the things that 
significant others of the actors I went to school with in grad school experienced as well. So we all moved to Knoxville, Tennessee for our MFA acting program in August of 2013. And for a lot of us, our significant others came with. I ended up going by myself and like Rachel and I were long distance, but a few of my classmates were married or had been in long-term relationships and their significant others came with them. And they always were very open about how dating an actor or being married to an actor can be difficult. And of all those couples, only one was two actors. So only one of the people getting an MFA was already with an actor. Everybody else was with someone who did something else. And usually when we would get dinner or drinks, you would see this fascinating thing happen where the actors would just, they would congregate right together, right? Start talking about rehearsal. You know, what did this guest artist do? You know, what do we think of what the director's doing right now? How's that project going in voice class? X, Y, and Z. And the significant others would gravitate together and sort of just commiserate about, oh my God, they're doing it again. They're talking about, they're talking about theater. They used to have a rule, anything but theater. <laughs> ABT, anything but theater. Like, let's talk about anything but what you guys do all day. Because we're not there right now. And none of us do that. So let's talk about something else. And um, those significant others that came down to Knoxville, they were all angels. To, to a, an individual, every one of them. They were sweet and very supportive of my classmates. And in a lot of different ways, they were supportive of the other classmates too. You know, we kind of built a little family down there and it was pretty great. But you could see that for a lot of them, they had given up a lot of things to come to those places. Careers, jobs, you know, um, comforts, creature comforts of living in a place they had chosen to live. And now they were coming to a place that they necessarily, they hadn't necessarily chosen to live. Though they might have had some say in which program, but in general, maybe hadn't had Knoxville at the top of their list of just places. So there was some, some strain there. So there's, there's always this push and pull between doing the art for yourself and seeing how it affects the people around you. As I was about to record this episode, I actually received a message on the Your 10-Minute Call Facebook page from a young person named Vitaly who was saying, oh, I like the podcast, reaching out, some positivity, and talking about how he wants to pursue a life in a creative field. He's interested in podcasts and a podcast network, but he's also come to uh, theater. His phrase was later in life. Vitaly, I have to tell you, based on your profile, there isn't, you're not later in any life. You're very young, my friend. So um, good for you. But he was talking about how his parents, who are from another country originally, are not so supportive of a creative endeavor that they probably wanted to get a more stable mainstream job that probably has a more guaranteed financial, you know, incentive. And this is something I encountered a lot when I was at the University of Tennessee. I taught my final year, I co-taught a introductory acting class with a fellow grad student. And we encountered a lot of young kids mostly from the south whose parents had said if you major in theater you will double major in something else. You are not just going to pursue that. And for me, coming from where I came from, that was kind of shocking. I had always had very supportive parents 
I'd almost say maybe <laughs> slightly too supportive in the best way possible. But everything I did, they were like, it's great. We love it. Awesome idea. Awesome job. Have you thought it out? You have? Great. Go for it. And even with that, I majored in history in my bachelor's degree. I did shows. I was involved in theater, but I didn't major in it. But if I had, I only would have done the theater major. I wouldn't have double majored. And my parents would have been okay with that. But I met a lot of kids down there whose parents were not supportive of the idea. You needed a backup plan. And that requires a lot of extra work on those students' part, right? A double major is no easy thing, especially with the hours required to just be a theater major. All the show hours you have to accumulate, all the work you have to do. That's tough. And that, that was the deal. The parents were like, listen, if we're paying for this education or if we're helping you at all, you are not just going to do something in the arts. And hearing from this young man, Vitaly, about the same thing, you know, that his parents are not so sure that that's the best idea, you know, really kind of connected with, with the theme of this episode, which is what do the people around you think of what you're doing? You know, and I gave Vitaly the same advice I gave a lot of those students down there who I was either teaching or who I was working with on productions, if they would bring up the subject. You never press, you never bring it up yourself, but if they would ask for advice or talk about it, I would tell them, you're the only one that has to wake up in your bed every day. You're the only one that has to go to your job. If you like that job, that's fine. But if you hate it, you're the only one that has to work it. So make sure that you're the one who's choosing that. If you want to do something with your life, do it because you're the only one who has to live that life. Your parents don't. You know, and that can be a tough thing to get across to them, especially if you are trapped in a financial situation where you really need them. And it can be hard to get financial independence these days. And a lot of parents believe deep in their heart that they're doing what's best. And they very well may be, right? And it's nobody's job to tell them that they're wrong. But one thing I am sure of is that you only get one pass at this. You only get one life, you know? And you have to make sure it's the one you want to live. If this gets too hard or too uncomfortable or too difficult or it's not worthwhile anymore, that's up to you. But I think you should have a chance as an individual to pursue whatever you want. And so that was always my advice to them. That's my advice to anybody who's listening now. If this is something you're interested in doing, do it. Don't, don't blink. Try. You know, I was, um, it was this quote I always heard and it was, it's cheesy the place that it comes from, but I think it's pretty important. And it kind of helped me keep going when I was trying to get into grad school and trying to break into the industry, which I still am in a lot of ways. It was from Star Trek. Yes, I know. I was a very nerdy young man. But uh, it's a quote from um, James Kirk, and he says, If I hadn't tried, the cost would have been my soul. And that's how I felt about all this. I don't know where it'll end up. I don't know if it'll be financially viable or lucrative, but I am damn sure that not trying will cost me the part of me I love the most. And, you know, to all those kids, I would just try to encourage them to give everything they have to what they think they're best at. 
And there's another, I know, corny. There's another Star Trek quote. What is your first best destiny? You know, Spock's talking to Kirk. You're getting so much Star Trek in this episode. You never thought you would, did you? (laughs) Spock is talking to Kirk and he says, you were never meant to be an admiral. You were meant to be a captain of a starship. Captaining a starship is your first best destiny. Anything else would have been a waste of material. So I would usually pose to those students that I had this question, what is your first best destiny? You could do other things, and you might be very good at them, but what's your first best destiny? What's the thing you're really supposed to be doing? And even if you don't necessarily get there, in this industry, you might fall into a really great career connected with the arts that helps you be financially independent, take care of yourself, and stay connected to what you love. You know, what's that old uh, thing? Shoot for the stars, and if you fall, you land among the clouds, that kind of thing, right? Super corny, belongs on every uh, teenage girl meme of all time, but it's true. You might not end up making $20 million, you know, a movie in Hollywood, but you might end up at a theater working in an administrative capacity around people you love, connected to the arts, helping support and facilitate great work, doing something cool and making a decent paycheck. What's so bad about that? You know, what's so bad about that world? There's nothing wrong with that. And there's many other avenues to success that don't just involve being the star of the show. And you might find those by trying to be the star. By trying to be the best version of you you can be. You know? So, that's, uh, that's my little spiel to the actors that I would meet down there. That's my spiel to any young actor who's listening to this, who's thinking, my parents think this is a terrible idea. Well, you know, (laughs) you may find someday that not every idea your parents had was that amazing. So, you know, take a shot and believe in yourself and uh, just check in along the way. This is the one little addendum I would add. Check in every now and then with the people who you really love about how they're doing And, you know, about how what you're doing, you know, works with them. Especially if you're asking them for help. At that point, then, their opinion is important. If you're able to do this on your own and you're not asking for any help, then let it roll. But if they are helping you, you know, they do do have a a right to let you know how things are going. And, um, yeah, just feel it out. You'll be fine. But that's our episode today talking about how acting affects everybody around you. This has been your 10-minute call, which has long since passed. So, places, I'll talk to you next time. Exciting news, we are on every podcast platform you could possibly get your podcasts on. We are finally on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We're on podcast networks I've never even heard of. You can listen to us here on Anchor, which is the awesome um, app that allows us to Distribute to all those podcast networks. Please subscribe so you can get our episodes automatically. Like us, rate us, write something nice. If you got any feedback, shoot it to me on at your 10 minute call on Facebook. I'm Kyle Maxwell. Again, this has been your 10 minute call, so get to places.